Studio. You never have a right on your child. Your child always has a right on you. Same goes with your parents. Uh, you always have the right to go back to your parents, no matter what. Great relationship works on uh, a lot of permission given to each other to say, "Hey, you can call me out on my bullshit." Yeah. And I will surrender to you when you call me out on my bullshit. Every action, every decision, every conversation creates. a memory inside your subconscious right so mm. if you are someone who's telling yourself that i have signed up to live an extraordinary life and you are living these little betrayals of yourself and those betrayals are going into your subconscious then when you set goals in your life your mind is like liar how the hell will you achieve these mm. goals effortless success is when you do what you love doing and you find people who do what you don't love doing with to do it with love you always put resources in your priorities yeah okay mm. so i put resources i got to cook very early even when we were broke we got to cook because he realized that both our time if we spend it more on our business mm. we'll be able to make that from wine studio you are listening to the inspiring talk a show where i bring the conversations with today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you take your life business and career to the next level in 2018 i had just quit my job and i was looking at starting my own business and grow in my career so i was working a lot I was working on two podcasts I was consulting organization I was doing a lot of coaching consulting assignments at the same time I was also looking at starting my own business and that was the time because I was working a lot I landed up in the hospital because I had some sort of ulcer in my stomach and that was the time I realized that how much I had ignored my health when I was trying to build my career and that was something how i was primed because people told me that you can have either in your life either health or business or relationship and you can't have it all and you have to compromise on one thing to make it big in the another and in today's episode we are going to challenge that because i have invited rajiv talreza on this podcast for the third time he has been guest on this podcast twice before once he came as a guest and on 100th episode he came as a host and interviewed me and this time we don't talk about entrepreneurship we talk about how do you design the life rajiv calls the and life he strongly believes that you can have everything that you want you can have health and relationship and finance and spirituality and recreation and so on and so forth and anything that you desire So in today's episode we'll talk about seven different areas of your life and how do you progress on all of them. You will learn the framework to plan your life and have it all and I love how simply Rajiv gives the structure to this and this is something that he doesn't talk about often so we go really deep into some aspects of this. You're going to absolutely enjoy this episode and there could have been no better time than the new year to talk about this. take notes there are so many things that i myself learned and how rajiv makes sure that he achieve whatever he want in every area of life let's get started
thanks again for doing this. Thank you for having me, and I'm looking forward to this conversation because it's a topic that's very close to my heart. I've been on the or side of the spectrum for a large part of my personal and professional life till realization hit, and um, now I would say I'm in pursuit as a student of the and life. So I'm happy to explore this conversation with you. So let's begin by talking about what is and life. I gave a bit of a context, but then yeah. for people who are listening. No, like you rightly said that uh, most of us are torn between choices on an everyday basis. I mean, not just in our habits and actions, but somewhere even in our mental beliefs and conditioning, we believe you can't have it all. We've been told you can't have it all. So we are making choices saying either I spend time on my health or I spend time on my business. Either I spend time with my relationships or I work on my work. And uh, when you live life with that paradigm and perspective that you can't have it all you can't focus on everything you can't balance everything then you live a broken life an incomplete life and that's what i call the or life where you're choosing between health or wealth relationships or business growth or spirituality so i feel that's a very broken paradigm in itself and uh, that's when the thought came that why don't we live an and life where we live a life where we focus on health and relationship and finances and wealth creation and business or career and recreation and spiritual growth and learning and contribution so uh, the perspective or the paradigm behind an and life is to focus on all these areas and pursue goals in all these areas that's what an and life is but don't you think a lot of people would say that hey you know what that's like a fantasy that we're living in to have this many things I think the moment you talk about an and life the biggest perception or notion people develop is that you got to give equal amount of time to all these areas in your life but living an and life has very little to do with the time you spend on these areas is more to do with the clarity of what you want in each one of these areas most people don't even have goals in these areas most people don't even evaluate where their health is at and what do they want to achieve in their health they don't even evaluate where their relationships are at and what do they want to create or experience in those relationships so for me the start point of an and life is uh, having clarity of objectives or goals in these areas and once you have that clarity of objectives and goals in these areas once you know what you want in your health what you want in your relationships what you want in your business what you want in your finances what you want in your recreation once you have that clarity you will realize these things don't need everyday effort some of these things don't need everyday effort like your recreation may not need everyday effort your relationship rituals may not be everyday rituals so it's not a 8 hour work and 8 hour personal time and 8 hour sleep i don't believe balance is a reality in that way but i believe clarity and then having simple practices systems rituals and teams in all these areas of your life can create significant progress and therefore create significant fulfillment once you play this game of an and life so when you design your own life you already mentioned about health relationship career contribution spiritual like what are the categories that you look at how many categories are for there? me there are seven seven okay so i look at health uh, i look at relationships i look at business i look at finances and i look at business and finances separately business is a source of income finances is how i save and invest that income that creates the wealth that i'd like to create so you got health relationships business finances then you've got recreation then you've got spiritual growth and then you've got contribution so these are the seven areas the best way i look at these seven areas is 
look at top three priorities because based on the phase of life you are at, there will always be something which is a priority. Uh, and create primary goals in those top three areas and create secondary and maintenance goals in the bottom four areas. And as you go through this method, you kind of juggle between priorities and as you evolve, priorities change. And I love how sometimes we contradict our own lives. Sometimes you may say, okay, contribution is not important to me. And then you hit a patch of your life where you feel like, hey, I'm not feeling joy in my own growth. Where am I finding joy? And then you go through an experience of contribution and you realize, hey, that's the area now I need to prioritize. So um, I think joy is in pursuing goals in these areas, knowing what are your top three priorities and having maintenance goals or secondary goals in the other four areas. If you're able to do that, there's so much that you experience in one lifetime. Hmm. I think th that was going to be my next question, which is, was it supposed to be like, hey, master one and then like build another, but then you said like, you know, pick three, like yeah. master those three or not yeah. master, but like you know, have significant challenging milestones or goals in those in areas. those three areas in yeah. other four that you yeah. do. And I think like picking three yeah. and working at on those and even on those three, it's not that eight, eight, eight hours, yeah. like yeah. you said, yeah. right? So it yeah. would be like maybe one hour on the other two yeah. or two hours yeah. at max on the other two and maybe dedicate like most things don't take time Bijay the biggest notion people have is that I'll have to give time most things actually take clarity and capability once you have clarity of what you want and you have the capability to get things done or the systems to get this things done or the teams to get things done you will realize it's not a game of time people look at time as their only resource and time is scarce because everybody has 24 hours so people get intimidated by time and then they give up on pursuing goals I believe it's not a game of time. It's a game of having teams and systems in every aspect of your life, even beyond your business. Great. So I think now, Rajiv, we'd love to now look at each of those different uh, things. Mm. You said like the first thing is like clarity that you need to have, right? Yeah. And uh, where does one begin? Let's say now I want to give a framework for, the, for somebody who's listening to this. Let's say on a piece of paper, they have written seven of these different areas of their life, right? So then what does that gaining clarity process look like? Um, there are two ways you could choose your top three. One, you could choose your top three based on what's relevant for you today. Second is you can choose your top three based on what's so broken that if you don't fix it, everything will fall apart. Right? So uh, if I look at my own top three for this year, which is very different from last year, I think for me, my number one right now is my health. My number two is my relationships. My number three is my personal finances. Um, and I feel very comfortable uh, knowing that as an entrepreneur running multiple businesses, my businesses are not in my top three areas this year. And these are the three areas that matter to me most. My health, my relationships and my personal finances. Because you've taken the business to a level where... I've taken the business to a level where it doesn't require that much of my active time. Now it's more about leverage. It's more about scale. It's more about putting the right resources at the right place. So areas where I really need to see a leap uh, in terms of my capability, my contribution is my my health, my relationships and my personal finances. So that's one approach to see where you need to see the biggest gain range now. What do you need to prioritize? When people usually start with this, when I started with this, it was more like I was trying to fix what's broken. I started pursuing the concept and the idea of an end life in 2014. And that was a time where I was coming out of debts. I was coming out of losses. I was coming out of a very toxic personal mindset because I'd gone through betrayals in business. So I was not thinking straight myself, kind of lost faith on humanity. So 
back then when I was creating, I was creating from a point of view of fixing stuff that's broken. So I was like, okay, uh, my business is my number one priority. My growth, my learning is my number one priority. And for me, learning and spiritual growth is the same thing. So I was like, okay, my learning is my number one priority because I need to fix my own capabilities. Back then it was like, okay, my personal finances is my priority, but it was more coming not from saving and investing, but reaping debts. So it depends on where a person or an individual is at a stage of their life, right? Sometimes when you start this journey of creation, you first need to complete some bad karma. So you got to fix those stuff. And once you kind of fix, then you go into creation goals rather than reaction and fixing goals. So knowing where one is and identifying those top three areas and then defining measurable goals in those top three areas is a good start point for anyone. Are there any questions that you want people to ask as a prompt mm. on each of those areas, which will then give them maybe think about, oh, this is what I should ask. Uh, look at like, you know, where my One life is. One possible question could be that, am I in a phase of fixing my life or am I in the phase of creating my life? If you're in a phase of fixing your life, pick what's broken. If you're in the phase of creating, then identify what you'd like to prioritize purely out of the desire of your heart without any judgment. There are no right or wrong goals. Nobody decides and defines for you. Oh, you're an entrepreneur, but you're not picking business as a priority area. Oh, that means you're not a good enough entrepreneur. Screw you. I'm probably financially free. I don't have to focus on my business. So you choose what works for you. You do you. That's the best way. Identify fixing goals or creation goals to begin with. That's the way I would see it. Now we have outlined, okay, these are my three top ones. Yeah. And these are the four which... Will secondary. Require secondary. Yeah. Uh, which I'm going to maintenance, like you said. Yeah. Now I have said that, okay, these are the focus areas and this is where I'm going to go. Then comes the goal setting part comes now, right? Yes. Yes. So again, the you need to be clear about the parameters. See, for most people, when they think health, they think a lean uh, waste line. And I know a lot of people with a lean waste line, but are not at all healthy. And uh, it's the fashion industry that has determined what a healthy person looks like, which is not even true. So for me, health goals, I break it down into parameters of physical health, mental health, and emotional health. I break it down into these three parameters. Physical health, for me, the parameters are my energy levels, when I wake up, and when I'm about to go to sleep. If you're able to rate on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being highest and 1 being lowest, do you wake up, what kind of energy frequency do you wake up at and what kind of energy frequency do you hit towards the later half of the day? That's a great parameter to identify the quality of your life itself, not just your health. So uh, one is your energy. The other would be your immunity. I know people who are perpetually sick and they're perpetually on allopathy medicines. Uh, so uh, your energy, your immunity, then comes your strength, then comes your flexibility. Probably your body structure and appearance is a fifth parameter. In most cases, it's irrelevant. I think it's the outcome that you'll get once you fix it. Absolutely. I, I genuinely believe that these internal metrics of energy, flexibility, immunity and strength are way more important than your uh, measurements and your appearances. Uh, so you can create goals in these areas when it comes to your physical health. For me, mental health is not how people perceive mental health in today's day and age. For me, mental health is more knowledge and wisdom. Emotional health is probably how people perceive mental health outside. How are you feeling? Are you regulating your emotions? Are your emotions in control? Are you honoring your emotions? It's not just about being positive all the time. 
I think uh, superficial positivity is more dangerous than any other emotional state a person can be in. So it's about having clarity of those parameters for your physical, mental and emotional health. And you can develop your own rating scale, right? On a scale of 1 to 10, based on your own experience, you can be true to yourself, develop where you are, where you want to go, define it even as an objective statement in these areas. So I would say health is that. From the point of view of relationships, people ask me, how do you keep goals in relationships? For me, in relationships, I look at three types of goals. One is being goal. Uh, who am I being in that relationship? And fundamentally, my true measurement of an empowering relationship is where I can be free where I don't have to lie, where I don't have to manipulate, where I don't have to choose my words. Uh, so freedom in a relationship and you can break it down. Again, I, I come from a school of thought and a philosophy which is very deep rooted that especially for those who are married, your spouse comes first, your children come second, your parents come third. And uh, as per our ancient Vedas, that's the right hierarchy. We've been misinterpreted and sold the idea that if I put my parents anything less than first, then I'm not a good enough child. But the truth is, your sati is your sarthi. That's the first thing. Your child is your responsibility and your parents is your duty. Uh, so uh, you got to have that clear frame. Anything beyond these three relationships is a bonus in life. So whether you have it or you don't, irrelevant. Okay, that's the way I see it. Once uh, a, a yoga teacher taught me this beautiful distinction and he said, Rishte, Nate or Sambhand. And I said, Kya hota hai? And um, he said something beautiful on the lines of Sambhand is with your spouse, uh, which is most important. Rishte is with your children, which is your second responsibility. And... Uh, your parents have a rishta with you and he beautifully said it saying that you never have a right on your child. Your child always has a right on you. Same goes with your parents. Uh, you always have the right to go back to your parents no matter what. Um, and he's like, Nate is with the extended world. He's like, Nate don't matter. Nate wow. mein lo khate. Wapas kuch nahi aate. <laughs> so, uh, I think that clarity is important in your relationships and once you are clear what are the most important relationship? You create a being goal. Who do I want to be in that relationship? You create a giving goal. What do you? What do I want to provide to that person? Different people want different things from you, right? Some people want space. Some people want trust. Some people want empowerment from you. Some people want belief from you. Some people want love. Some people want time. So understand each person's uh, language of love and give them that. Okay, it's not about you giving what you would like to give. It's about you giving what they would like to receive. And once you operate from that paradigm in a relationship, you give with freedom and giving gives you joy. I think the most dissatisfied space for people in a relationship is when they're looking at what am I getting? So your being goal, your giving goal. And finally, in your relationships, you can set up your rituals or experiences goal. You can have simple rituals. Like I will take my pet for a walk every day, no matter what. That one hour is for me and my pet. I will go for a walk with my spouse every day, no matter what. And that one hour is for us to have deep conversations and connections. I will not watch TV at the time of eating a meal. That's my time with the family. So everybody can come up with their own set of Having rituals, boundaries. right? Yeah, like things that they like to do with each other without any external distractions. So that's how I look at relationship goals. And then, of course, your wealth goals is your saving and investment. Yeah, before we move to the wealth, I would like to add, you know, something that I learned about the relationship on the lines of what you've said, 
is there's four really powerful questions which I maybe somebody listening to this can ask themselves. Like the first one is like, like you said, right? What is it that I'm getting out of this relationship is one, which is also important for you. Like you can't always be in a relationship which is the one who is always giving. Yeah, I mean, that's very relevant to those who are selflessly giving, but their partner or whoever on the other side is not reciprocating. Then you're being a mandir ka ghanta. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be very careful about that. You you can't have tongue. You can't just keep being struck by people, right? So uh, you got to have a right balance there. So we agree to that in so, that context. So um, what is it that I'm giving to this relationship? What is it that I'm getting in this relationship? What is it that I want to give more in this relationship? And what is it that I want more from this relationship? Yeah, And I think those four questions are really, really powerful for somebody like you said, right? Who might be like, hey, but I am the only one who is giving in this relationship and my partner doesn't reciprocate. Maybe it's time for you to probably rethink about that relationship, right? Yeah, my experience um, in a relationship when you have to go through this as a measurement scale, then that relationship in itself is dysfunctional. Uh, relationships that you connect with, giving is so effortless. Yeah. So yeah, I totally resonate with that. Yeah. And now that we are talking about relationship, You've just completed uh, 10 years of your uh, marriage. marriage. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I think you guys were dating before that as well, right? How many so years have you been with Bhakti for 10, now? Engaged for a year before that. Dated for six years before wow. that. 17. Friends for five years before that. So I lost the count, 22 yeah, years. 11, yeah, 22 years. Wow. We've known each other for 22 years now. Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of blessed to find the right partner early in life. She was a friend for five years, which I think is uh, the most beautiful thing. So she knew about all my failed love stories mm -hmm. before that. <laughs> and yeah. she was a great ally. Uh, then we dated for six years. And then, of course, we got engaged and then got married. And it's been 10 years now. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, one of the things that from afar, right, you know, from knowing your story and seeing what you guys are doing, you know, you and Bhakti, what I see is there has been a lot of growth in this journey as a couple. And I think that, uh, my assumption, you can correct me or maybe add to what I'm going to share, is the core of that relationship is the growth on what we both are becoming in this relationship. Like you said, like what am I being and what is, you know, the other partner in this relationship is being? What are we becoming in this relationship? And then changing growth is one of the core thing of this relationship, right? I totally agree. I think um, right from the time we started dating, she was a Gujarati, I'm a Sindhi. And uh, I let go of a career opportunity just so that I make the relationship work. I was a national law school aspirant. Uh, and uh, I had missed it by 0.25 marks in one of the years in my second attempt. In between my second attempt and my third attempt, we started dating. And I knew if I get into national law school, five years, I'm going to be at national law school. And uh, so the next year when I wrote the exam, I left 20 marks in the paper intentionally saying, if I get in, then I don't think our relationship will work. And if I take that five-year academic path, then probably Bhakti's family will start putting pressure on her to get married. And this may build pressure for us. So I chose the relationship, not as some irrational uh, love story kind of a thing but when I made that choice that I'm going to let go of 20 marks in that question paper to make sure I don't get in I also made a decision and a choice and both of us spoke about it saying now that I'm making this decision we got to make two things work we got to make our love story work we got to make our careers work 
Because the last thing you want is to carry that baggage later saying, oh, I let go of this career opportunity. I was good. I missed it by 0.25 marks the previous year. If I have written 20 more marks, I would have definitely got in. Uh, and then regret the relationship. So we said we need to make these two things work. We need to make our career work. We need to make our, our uh, relationship work with each other. Funny part, after leaving 20 marks, uh, I missed it by 0.25 marks again. And my parents were concerned saying, beta, don't go into depression. I know it can be heartbreaking in my head. I'm like, you have no idea how relieved I am that I missed it again. If I would have gotten in, what explanation would I have given to you that I don't want to go to national law school anymore? So I think the foundation of that relationship, those decisions early on were very, very important. They made as a strong base for ourselves. And that's why we've been great uh, growth partners. We've challenged each other in different phases of our lives. Uh, when one of us has gotten complacent or one of us has lost faith, on ourselves, the other has kind of stepped in and amped up the belief and pushed the other person and we've given each other that permission as well. So I think a great relationship works on uh, a lot of permission given to each other to say, hey, you can call me out on my bullshit and I will surrender to you when you call me out on my bullshit. I think that permission and surrender combination has been the critical force of our, our marriage working, our relationship working, our careers working. And that comes from having and creating that space for each other to have those really difficult, hard conversations in relationships. And I think a lot of us in the relationship do not even create that space where... Yep. Like I find it amusing. I work with so many entrepreneurs and I find it amusing that when they have a spouse who's not involved in their business, that spouse has no connection to the financial realities of that individual. I'm like, why are you inflicting this loneliness upon yourself? Okay, sometimes I've seen it come out of patriarchy saying, Sometimes I see it coming from a thought process of, I don't like to discuss work at home. I genuinely believe that a true partnership is holistic full stop. Uh, you got to evaluate each other's health, wealth, relationships, finances, every aspect of your life together, create together. Bhakti and I have a ritual once a year. We take a vacation only for goal creation. We go to a very scenic location in the middle of nature and we create goals for the next one year. We visualize our goals. We, we spend two, three days on brooding over goals, challenging each other on different aspects of our goals. And we close that trip with creating a path of what do we want to achieve in the next one year in our finances, in our relationship, in our individual careers, in our recreation goals for the next one year. And I think our partnership works on that goal creation exercise. It's something that we look forward to. It's something that we review every month. Uh, it's something that we celebrate when we do something positive. So for me, that co-creation, that space is so important. Otherwise, you feel intellectually at two different wavelengths and then you kind of check out in the relationship. And I've seen that happen in so many relationships around me. It's just heartbreaking. Yeah. Mm. And one takeaway for me here and also what I think, uh, you know, what you have done beautifully is you have merged few aspects of them together. Like you said, like on, on my mental health, like learning and growing is one part of it. Then you married that with a relationship. Like how can I bring that aspect in my relationship? Yeah. So it becomes effortless. I'm growing on that aspect, but also it's helping me in the relationship. When, Absolutely. I'm, when I'm going on this learning journey with my partner, yeah. I'm also improving improving yeah. and doing that and when i'm getting that space to have conversation with my partner then i'm also regulating or maybe you know 
pouring out my heart yeah. which is also you know looking at the emotional aspect of it absolutely i think it's all interconnected right you are you're one being and that's what i tell people that you can't have a broken health and a great business you can't have a broken relationship and a great business there's a part of you that will leak energy and drain energy uh, what if we all pursued a life where we looked at plugging these holes in our personality when it comes to our health wealth relationship creating these areas then every achievement becomes so much more fulfilling right so for me it's just integration of all these forces which is very important so what are some of the rituals that you and bhakti have one you said like you have a yearly yeah one is a sitting retreat uh daily one is a, a conversation for at least an hour without mobile phones or we rarely watch television our television is as new as new is uh so um, one is a conversation at least for an hour before we hit the bed uh second is having the meal together no matter what so it's not like oh, i'm not hungry or you know we have our meal together no matter what that's uh, i think in daily these two things are our core anchors uh which is our food and our conversation before we go into bed it's like just a catch up of the day like just a complete catch up of the day i would say that's a important ritual for us as a couple uh weekly i would say we do step out we are more lunch people than dinner people so uh, we do like to step out by ourselves for lunches we do drive sometimes but there's no fixated that weekly one drive yeah we are not like uh, subodh from dil chahta hai jo 5 baje subah uth ke pehle yoga karta hai sunday pe we have a free flow but there are certain things that we go back to like there are certain things that we like doing uh going out for a drive a lunch outing just the both of us a movie once a month out in the theaters for no matter what one thing that brings us together is travel i think for us travel is life life is travel work is somewhere secondary work is predominantly to just fund travel kind of a thing <laughs> that to be true to ourselves i think we are driven by travel we thrive on travel so um we have travel goals we have very aggressive travel goals we have travel goals of doing three countries in a year and four cities in india every year so that's like seven holidays and these are not work related it's not like i'm going for a meeting so we'll tag along no this is like shut shop get out and just be there uh, so uh, travel goals are very very important to us and um, because in the early stages of our marriage we went through an experience where we saw financial crisis saving and investing has been a core essence of our um, financial habits so reviewing our investments is something that we do together on a monthly basis um, and uh, we look back in gratitude with a lot of joy because when we started we started from a home which had no furniture it was a 50 year old home that we rented out and there was a kelvinator fridge which was that mini fridge and we told the landlord can we use this as a fridge we had no sofa from shivaji nagar we bought a 5000 rupee bed and a gadda so we started from there so now for the lifestyle that we live for us these things matter and we cherish those journeys and we we value how we are growing so we celebrate in general the theme of our life is just celebrated because of how we started and where we came from so these things matter to us a lot and now that you have a third person in your life which is your kid yeah what are the new things that you're learning about relationship one of the things i've learned very early as a parent my daughter's like 3 and 1/2 months now and one of the things we've learned is that 
you don't teach the child the child comes into your life and teaches you so much um it's taught us patience um bhakti is someone who likes structure in everything the child has taught her surrender thing that just honor the child if the child is not taking the feed wait something that uh, one of our friends who is like a role model parent to us said to us that don't treat your child like a child if you treat your child like an adult and honor the the decisions and the choices of the child you'll have a much more peaceful parenting journey so we are constantly looking for cues she can't speak yet but we're looking for cues what is she communicating if she's cranky and restless one of the rituals we do is we go to another room and take a moment and kind of communicate with her higher self and saying what's making you cranky and helpless or restless and sometimes it shows up that okay there's a decision at work that i'm not making because one of the things i've studied is till the age of 7 the child has none of its own patterns to explore the child is just a mirror for you so we've done some study on telepathy to kind of telepathically con- communicate to the child you just take time off ask the child what are you trying to communicate to me what are you showing me which i need to fix you don't have to fix anything you're just a mirror to my energy and emotions something shows up make that decision the child's calm wow. so i'm enjoying playing with that as an idea now there's no science backing it someone may say oh this sounds insane it works for me so screw you i yeah. don't care <laughs> right yeah. uh, it's working for me i'm enjoying that uh, the other thing i'm enjoying about the child or learning is um, our language itself uh, you know it's so easy for us to inflict negative programs with negative words and embed negative codes in the child from such an early age like i've just gotten aware to this fact that when i'm meeting parents now and they have a kid and you say hello to the kid and the kid is kind of hiding behind the mother and the parent so proudly goes and says she's shy and i'm like no she's nothing you are embedding she's shy and i caught myself doing that there was a morning where my daughter she was looking at me and sort of blushing and i went like oh you're looking at daddy and feeling shy and i'm like i'm not embedding that on you i said you're blushing that's so cute so i'm identifying language patterns how easy it is like i remember we have a nanny and she speaks in english and my daughter went through this phase of colic where she had gas in her stomach so the moment you take her for a feed and she start resisting and this woman my nanny used the word uh, usko फियर बैठ गया है आई एम लाइक कुछ नहीं बैठा है आप मत बिठाओ फियर सो आई थिंक पेरेंटिंग इज सच अ ब्यूटिफुल लर्निंग एक्सपीरियंस ऑफ आर ओन पर्सनैलिटी आर ओन बिलीव आर ओन लैंग्वेज पैटर्न दैट इफ यू जस्ट ट्रीट दैट चाइल्ड एज अ ब्लैंक कैनवस एंड यू आस्क यू सेल्फ वट आई वॉन्ट ऑन दैट कैनवस ब्यूटिफुलटिंग इन दैटवस राइट बिकॉज दैट्स क्रिएटिंग द अर्ली कंडीशनिंग ऑफ द चाइल्ड सो आई बिकम क्यूरियस अबाउट दिस आई एम बिकमिंग a a seeker in this area just reading stuff interacting with other parents observing children and just want to be able to create the right space and platform for the kid that's that's something that's been exciting as a parent now wow that's so beautiful and such a pure thing to hear and also like there's a saying that goes like you know if we were to imprint the words that you say in a day what would that word cloud look like right and you know pretty much the same like you've said with your kid uh what would you implant or you know on on your kid which is absolutely it's so important right i believe our parents lived in the generation of responsibilities their primary thing was to be responsible and fulfill and give us a decent standard of living 
And I think if we've been blessed with parents who just focus on responsibility, we don't have to now worry about responsibility so we can focus on creation for the next generation. And then they can go on explosion, yeah. spree and impact the world. So I, that's that's the way I see it. Mm. Is there anything else on relationship that you'd like to share? I think for me, what's most important is, um, and I can say this for myself, I think at least as men or boys, uh, one of the most important transitions to make in life is from a son to a husband. Many people fail at that. And I've seen that happen uh, in in good families, in good environments where uh, there's so much guilt uh, that boys carry around. Uh, on prioritizing your, on spouse, prioritizing over your, your parents. spouse over your parents. Your parents live their life based on their values, their beliefs, their principles. You got to create your life based on your values, your beliefs, your principles. And so many people just look at voicing that out as disrespectful. And I feel that if... Uh, we understand that this is not disrespectful and it can be done respectfully with clarity, then I think we will create happier family environments. For me, that was a very interesting phase of my life 10 years ago where I had to kind of reconcile within myself that am I being disrespectful or am I being submissive or am I being, uh, am, am I being a go with the flow or a sandwich? So creating that clarity, that was a very important phase of my life and Today, I can say that because I learned that, I've been able to fulfill roles and create roles within the family of love and respect. The foundation is love and respect. The foundation is not just some hierarchy or control for the sake of control without any rationality at home. So um, I think that's an important phase every person will go through in their life. The transition from being a child to a spouse very important especially for men mm. and is there anything that you'd like to share as like uh, these are the things I know that you know it would be different and it would be very individualistic yeah, it, it, I think things, it's individualistic yeah. Yeah. see coming from a background where your your parents were self-made sometimes what happens is self-made parents uh, become control freaks they want to determine how every, they, they just want to question choices that you make yeah. and because you don't want to give that answer you end up doing innocent lies uh, you want to go out with your wife uh, for just a date night and uh, you say that to your parents are like sab chalte hai na. the intention ah. is togetherness and then you're like okay now I can't go back to her and say that mom dad also are coming so the next time what I'll do is I'll tell them we both have some work outside and I think so many families thrive on innocent lives uh, lies innocent lies and they say chalega yaar, we're just avoiding conflict but I'll tell you what you're doing what you're doing is one you are creating a consciousness on the within which is broken because you're not expressing your truth. Two, you're breeding a behavioral pattern in your parents and you're not challenging them to evolve. You're just going with the flow. So for them, you're 100% compliance all the time. And three, tomorrow when you have kids and you continue to do this in front of your child, you're setting a precedent saying, okay, we are liars. Okay, and that's what I'm going to teach you. So, um, speaking your own truth and saying, yeah, dad, we'll go out. But uh, tonight, we both want to go out. We'll do our family dinner on Sunday. And allowing him to reconcile and deal with it so that he evolves is very important. Um, and I think these little things go in a long way in terms of how you see yourself. That matters a lot to me. Yeah, And I think that will require somebody to first recondition their own yeah. brain saying that hey this is not disrespect but this yeah. is the 
priority for me and I want to do this and then you know they yeah. better understand it requires self awareness and self consciousness every action every decision every conversation creates a memory inside your subconscious right so if you're someone who's telling yourself that I've signed up to live an extraordinary life and you are living these little betrayals of yourself and those betrayals are going into your subconscious then when you set goals in your life your mind is like liar how the hell will you achieve these goals you don't even have the courage to live your own truth so for me that has been a very important foundation on which i've built my life i want this to trust me whether the world trusts me or not is secondary no that's that's great so we've covered health and you've given three sub topics for people to look at we went really deep into relationships and now the third one finance and uh yeah for me creation. i think uh, this was an area of my life where i started from fixing it i didn't understand money um i think all of us at one stage in our teens become socialists or communists right because you think like money is evil and all of that and then you realize that hey you know what money is important uh money is not evil there may be some people who have money who are evil that doesn't make money evil for me it took time to understand that for me it took time to realize that asking for the money that you deserve for what the value you add is not wrong i looked at it as greed in the past so i had broken money belief systems my one belief system was rich people are manipulative so therefore subconscious was i don't want to be manipulative therefore rich equals manipulative i not equal to manipulative so i equal to not rich i got aware to that after 8 years of entrepreneurship so the first 8 years you can imagine what kind of a broken money mindset i had the other money mindset i had was asking for money for yourself is devaluing yourself uh so asking equals greed asking equals cheap that was my thought process so jo mila theek hai nahi mila theek hai okay uh, i had this ego thrown in my own head saying if i ask i'm diminishing my value that was a broken money belief system that i carried for the longest time and because i didn't experience money for the first 8 years as an entrepreneur the other broken money system i had was uh, only few people are lucky to get money in life so and my thing was i'm not lucky i'm talented but i'm not lucky i'm hard working but i'm not lucky now you can imagine the combination of these three broken money systems is a torturous life right because consciously you wake up every morning to hustle hard work hard knowing Subcon- that you're not going to make money yeah subconsciously you're like i know i can't, i can't make it and um, it was self torture right i mean no one was inflicting this upon me i had built this for myself It was in 2014 that I shattered these money belief systems, and I decided to remove my personality out of money. I said, "Okay, look, this is not about who I am. It's about what is money as an energy." So I started studying money as an energy, and that's when I realized that there are five uses of money. There is using money for the necessities, which is your basic roti, kapda, makan, communication, transport, education, healthcare, and debt. Then there is saving money. and the thought process was if you don't save money today money can't save you tomorrow then there's investing money which is putting money in different assets for the money to grow and then there's enjoying money in your recreation in things that you are passionate about things that you love things that you'd like to experience and finally there is giving money back as contribution or charity so when i understood these five uses of money i realized that hey you know what most of us don't use money based on these five uses we use it based on our personality so a saver is only saving and investing a spender is spending way more than what they are making and uh, that's when we live such a broken relationship with money 
So I decided that, you know what, I'm going to eliminate my personality. I'm going to keep it as an equation. I'm going to look at necessity, saving, investing, enjoying and contribution as goals. And I'm going to achieve those goals. And over a period of time, I developed harmony with money, balance with money. When I hit that balance with money, there was more joy. There was more freedom. There was no fear. There was no self-doubt. And uh, there was a lot of gratitude around the energy of money. And I believe that when you hit that romantic relationship with money, money comes to you. If you don't have romance with money, then money runs away from you. If you can't respect money, money doesn't stay with you. So uh, for me, that was a very foundational learning and shift I made from 2014. And I continue to use the same template of goal creation along with Bhakti every year on necessity, saving, investing, enjoyment and recreation and contribution ever since. And uh, I find that a very effortless way to think money, relate to money. It doesn't scare you uh, about are you being irresponsible by vacationing seven times in a year. It fits in the equation of recreation. We do it. Okay. It doesn't uh, scare you that are you being too conservative? It fits in the equation of saving. I'll save it. Right. So um, that's how I've looked at money. And uh, I genuinely believe that this should be taught in schools. Uh, by the time people reach a stage where they can make money, they're so broken around money that I say hardware is hard uh, working hard. Software is corrupted. It's like buying the latest 3D printer and connecting it to Windows 97. What is going to happen? Shit's going to come out, right? So you got to heal with this. And it was a healing I went through from 2014 onwards. So for me, finances is that. Those five areas create goals. So what I hear you say is first understand what are your beliefs about money. Yep. Then that will require you to look at the patterns yep. and be a bit... Look at your memories. Memories, yeah. What were your earliest memories of money? Okay. Like I remember my earliest memory of money one of my most earliest memory of money was I looked at the 50 paisa coin and I didn't know the difference between 50 paisa and 50 rupees. And I used to buy these uh, WWF uh, postcards of 5 rupees. You get Yokozuna, Undertaker, Brett Hitman, Hart, that era. And I had this store close to my house. I used to run to that store when I used to save money and buy. Once I got a 50 paisa coin and I went there. Okay, And I told him. 10 posters. I selected 10. I gave him 50 paisa. I said, no, better. It's 50 rupees. And then he laughed at me. He laughed at me and he said, uh, you don't understand money. Uh, you are so stupid. You are so immature. That's That man did it out of, for him, that was cute. But it created a memory saying, I don't understand money. So look at your earliest exchanges of money, conversations your parents are happening, financial situations your parents went through in your early childhood. What were they telling you when you would see something and say, I want to buy this? Okay. You will see your money memories coming out of there. And from those memories, you will see beliefs that have been repeating ever since. So uh, you identify that, get aware. And awareness is the healing. People ask me, once I'm aware, what then? Awareness is the healing. You got aware? Yeah. They say in quantum physics, right? When you observe a particle, the particle changes its composition. You observe a thought, the thought changes its role in your life. Simple as that. Yeah. So you start with that awareness, then you put the structure. Structure into it. Yeah. yeah. Great. That was great. That was the third compartment, which was money. And now that, you know, this episode is, we're doing this around the, New Year is around the corner and this is probably the great time for people to look at all these different compartments. Let's move to the fourth one then. Fourth one is business or career. Someone who's a working professional, it's career goals. 
So for them, career goals would largely be uh, learning goals uh, in terms of the technical skills in their career, contribution goals in terms of their particular role in the organization. So if you're a working professional and you just have clarity of what are the next level skills, what are those game-changing skills that I need to acquire and what are those KRAs and KPIs that I need to ace, then you're sorted from a career point of view. In a business environment, it's more your financial goals, your functional goals and your own learning goals when it comes to your business. So the way I see it is in business, it's more like you need to know what's that top line and bottom line you want to achieve, which is your financial goals. And in your functional goals, it's more about breaking down then what should marketing achieve for you to achieve financial goals? What should sales achieve for you to achieve financial goals? What should operations achieve for you to achieve your financial goals? What should human resources, uh, R&D, accounts and management achieve? So when you create goals on these seven functions, then you are prepared for the financial goals. And for you to make sure these functions are functioning, what do you need to learn? So if you break down your business goals into financial, functional and learning, that's great parameters to create clarity. Yeah. So I don't want to go too deep into this because this is something that, you know. Yeah, this is something I talk day in day out. Yeah. You can find it anywhere. <laughs> on the so I think we've covered this briefly on our previous conversation yep. as well. I'll link yep. that in the description of this episode. So let's move to the uh, fifth one. Fifth one is recreation. See, I believe you're human. You have one life. You got to experience this planet. Most people's definition of spirituality is sacrifice and scarcity and letting go and all of that. I am a big believer of detachment, but I'm a big believer of experiencing every single thing on this planet without being dependent or attached to that experience. Uh, so your recreation goals could be your travel goals. It could be your hobby goals. It could be your gadget goals. Okay, you have a dream that you love BMW's engineering. Bloody hell, go buy a BMW. Don't let some financial influencer tell you that no, Ola and Uber and that's being woke. I'm like, Screw it, man. I love the engine. I love the drive. I love the feel. I will create a goal in my life where I earn enough, spend on my necessities, save enough, invest enough, and then I'll buy a BMW car. Now that you're saying this, uh, you know, sorry to interrupt, but now that you're saying that, maybe also it's a good time for you to ask yourself that, hey, you know what? these people saying that, hey, you know what, it's Ola and Uber is better than buying. Are you using that as an excuse to not work hard enough? See, to I'll tell you, there's this big school of thought around minimalism. I love the idea of minimalism. But I'll tell you what I love even more than minimalism is moderation. I am not buying stuff for social approval. I'm buying stuff for internal joy. Till date, I haven't put the pictures of my cars on social media. But I love driving. I will buy cars that give me that drive. So I'm clear in my life that I'm not doing it to please someone or gain status in someone's eyes. I'm doing it because I love me. That's it. So what are those things that you're... And this is where I think so many people get it wrong. They do stuff for status and social approval. But once you spend time on reflecting on... Are you doing it for you? So can you live with it without putting a post about it on social media? Then you're sorted, my friend. You, you don't have to live a life of minimalism. You can live a life of moderation. Okay, if I'm saving and investing 70% of my income and I'm using 10 or 15% of my income on my recreation and enjoyment where I'm able to fit seven vacations, I'm able to buy the gadgets that I'd like to explore. I'm able to drive the cars that I'd like to drive. So be it. Okay, I don't need to fit into the school of thought of either minimalism or hollow materialism. I don't have to fit in those schools of thought, right? So 
recreation goals are stuff that you do for your joy and i think the best way to identify if you're doing something for your own joy is if you're comfortable doing it without telling someone and without putting pictures about it on social media if you're able to do that you're doing it for you and that's the most beautiful thing to experience yeah so for me that's my recreation and enjoyment parameters it's vacations it's hobbies passions you'd like to pursue it's uh, uh gadgets that you would like to own possessions you'd like to own you like collecting watches go ahead and buy my friend if it fits in your equation go ahead and buy i am not a big believer of okay you go buy an iphone 14 if you're on a 20 30000 salary uh, and call that passion i call that stupidity and irresponsibility you can do much better with yourself and your money but i am saying that pursue that growth not for greed but for things saying i can i'm doing stuff because i can so for me recreation fits there mm. it's like play fund play fund right? you do yeah. it for play yeah. yeah and i think that's that's yeah. the whole point of all of this right if you're yeah. not having fun along the way if you're yeah. saving and yeah. doing all this like things i know people who are extreme right they only save and invest but you know what you may be comfortable with it and i know people who genuinely are very comfortable with only saving only investing and they don't have any play fund any recreation goals but what i've seen is when they are the primary income earning member of their family what they're doing is they're creating deprivation for the rest just because you control the money you call the shots on the money i think that's a very unfair way of living life like i'm sure everybody would have seen people where someone like say the primary income earning member of the family passed away and after they passed on the family lived a better lifestyle why do you want to create that kind of karma with your own loved ones where they are happier once you are gone so i think that balance is important you don't like shopping stuff fine but sit with your spouse and ask her what would you like to shop this year sit with your kids and ask them what would you like to pick up this year and put that as a part of your recreation goals okay you know you want to wear the same shirt since 1986 go for it okay you do you but make sure that you are honoring people around you and i think that's where so many people who are just saving investment oriented and not recreation oriented they have a receiving problem they have an experiencing problem and such people don't even retain money for long money finds a way to run away from them either they get lured in the greed of a great deal and they put money and the money goes out or they are fine perpetually in some medical emergencies where money is getting drained so i say money is an energy don't try to control it live in moderation with it saving is respecting it investing is trusting it enjoyment and recreation is experiencing it you got to do all of it that's beautifully put all right so that was the part of investment and let's move to the next one now so we've looked at health relationships finances business or career and we looked at recreation now the next one would be uh, contribution yeah i'll look at contribution for me the way i see it is that there are people in your immediate circle itself it could be extended family it could be your own house staff your driver your watchman okay uh, for me contribution first comes in this circle later probably to an ngo or a charitable trust and all of that for me if i'm able to take care of the education expenses of my house staff and my driver's kids and my watchman's kids and my cook's kids i think that's my first layer that's my inner circle you can't make a difference to your own inner circle who's in need then just going to some ashram and taking pictures while you're doing charity is absolutely meaningless so for me contribution starts with helping those who are in your circle of influence already empowering them 
it could be through direct contribution or it could be through opportunity creation right like if you can create opportunities for them give them a career path and stuff like that great uh, so that's one layer if your com- co- contribution bucket is larger then you go and you give outside to organizations who are doing meaningful work if you are it's, it's even more larger you set up your own foundation or a trust and you add value to people so each one to their own choose a cause that excites you choose a cause that empowers you give back whatever i mean it could be feeding street dogs is what excites you do that could be environment do that so each one needs to pick their own playground of contribution and just do their their basic minimum uh if you can't give time give money if you can't give money give time but give something i think that just i think the highest joy comes there and also humbles you it humbles you it creates gratitude it gives you joy uh, it grounds you i think contribution has so many aspects to it uh, one personal philosophy and some people have disagreed with this i have a simple philosophy that never showcase what you're contributing some people say but rajiv if i don't showcase i'm not inspiring others works for you please go out there and showcase what you're contributing doesn't work for me i don't showcase what i'm contributing for me it's a simple thing that if i'm giving i'm giving i'm not giving for the sake of receiving some recognition or adulation or some likes but if you see it as inspiration and it aligns with you please go ahead and showcase it to inspire more people so you got to have your own see if you realize these things don't take time vijay it takes thought most people are not stopping in their lives and putting in thought into these areas once you put thought you create clarity of goals then it's simple rituals na it may be a contribution you do once a year at the time of admission to check in your immediate environment whose children need education and taking care of that or your birthday you go out there and contribute it doesn't take 24/7 it doesn't take 8 hours a day 7 days a week that's a notion so that clarity is important in contribution which brings me to what the last one spirituality yeah spirituality the big one yeah the big one my definition of spirituality is very very non spiritual my definition is the way i see it is that for me spirituality means growth of the soul okay and we all have a soul inside right so now we have when we have a soul on the inside how does a soul evolve any learning can evolve the soul today i can learn from you the skill of podcasting it's an value add to my soul so i don't count spirituality as only reading religious texts or only meditation for me the way i see it is any form of learning is a spiritually evolving activity it's evolving your soul so you can have career or business based learning goals under spiritual growth you can have passion or hobby based learning goals saying i'd like to learn how to paint i'd like to learn how to sketch i'd like to learn how to play the guitar you are evolving on a spiritual level it could be religious or philosophical kind of learning to uh, as a spiritual goal so any kind of learning goal is a spiritual goal for me i've made it simple for myself that way that's how i set my spiritual goal so for me it's not about okay i need to buy heart these many shlokas and only then i'm spiritual or i need to revisit the ancient vedas and then i'm spiritual if i'm learning digital marketing this year for me that's a spiritually evolving activity i keep it simple i don't like to complicate it so any kind of learning goal is evolving and enriching your soul that's a spiritual growth goal that's how i see it and i think that eases it for so many people you know i have friends i have some some very very amazing friends who are deep rooted in rituals and religion and bhagavad gita and when you sit in front of them no you feel like a papi purush okay like tum sala khali paisa kamana ghumna yahi hai tumhara zindagi but i have to make peace with it 
I had to make peace with it saying, for me, serving people, impacting my clients is spirituality. So, uh, they say, you know, some people are Jnana yogis who are channeling knowledge and practicing practices. Some people are uh, uh, practicing uh, Bhakti Yoga where they are in devotion of the Lord and are serving. Uh, some people are Karma Yoga. I'm like, okay, the one who doesn't practice any practices, the one who doesn't devote to a particular God and say, I serve in the name of this God, Hamzab Karma Yogi. Kaam karenge and that's good enough. Do it with the intention of service, that's good enough. So for me, I've made it guilt-free for myself. <laughs> that's the way I see it. Yeah. I think it's important for you to recognize what works for you. Absolutely. And what gives you the joy and the satisfaction Absolutely. that you're talking Absolutely. I have a friend who was spiritually initiated and he used to do Kriyas every morning. He got busy. He stopped doing his Kriyas. He started facing sinus issues. And then he worked with a yoga master who was pretty learned, not your regular yoga trainer on Instagram. But he worked with a yoga master and the yoga master said, health-wise, you're perfectly fine, my friend. And that guy asked him, out of nowhere, he asked him, are you spiritually initiated? He said, yes, I'm spiritually initiated. He's like, are you doing your Kriya? He's like, no, I'm not doing my Kriya. He said, please do your Kriya. And the sinus went. So it's a path. Na? You don't choose the path. The path chooses you. Okay, so some people have been initiated. For them, that practice is spiritual growth. I'm the uninitiated, probably going to hell. <laughs> so, <laughs> just trying to ma make peace with myself and add value to people's lives. And that's, uh, yeah, you got, whatever you do, you got to do it with inner freedom. I think that's most important. Super. We have covered the whole seven of areas. like seven yeah. areas. And yeah. now, like I said, this is around the corner. New Year is there. Then this is probably a great time for people to sit down and try and you know make goals on each of these different areas yeah and now going back to the point where you said you go on this vacation with bhakti and then plan these seven areas of your lives mm -hmm. then what are the checkpoints that you have in place to make sure that because what happens for a lot of us is we set that and then we forget till the next time when it's time for us to you know re-look at and reset so what are the checkpoints that you put in place as funny as this may sound for me, the important checkpoints really are three things. Roles, reports, reviews. These are three things which are my checkpoints. What do I mean by that? Say, for example, health. I was born chubby. I grew in a Sindhi family where there were five types of dishes for dinner. Okay. And we were all stout and overweight. And when someone sold us the idea of health, we used to be like, Bhai, ek jindagi hai. <laughs> right? From that to um, today I can say that I had a joint family pack. Now I've come down to a family pack. Working towards a, a decent four or five pack or even a single flat pack. Six pack is not yet an aspiration in range. <laughs> but yeah. um, I think for me what shifted is in the last five years of my life, uh, clarity of the importance of health. And as a result of that, knowing where I stand there and I realized my incompetence level is high when it comes to my health. I don't, I don't have natural inclination, knowledge, capability to take care of my health. So I have to define roles, roles that I need in my life for, of people to take care of my health. So I've got a nutritionist. So you build a team in every aspect of your life. I have a team for my health. I've got a nutritionist. I've got a fitness trainer. i got a cook. Okay, um, who can make sure that they cook what they new? See, if you have to do stuff by yourself, you're screwed. 
then you will give the excuse saying, I have my job, I have my business. Now, some people may say, but Raji, for all this, you need to have the money. Okay. My principle is very, very simple. People who say, I'll do it when I have the money will never have the money, nor have the time, nor have the practices. I work in a different framework. I, I ask myself, is health important? Yes, health is important. And is health a necessity? Yes, health is a necessity. So is spending money on health a necessity? Absolutely, it is a necessity. So I know I don't like cooking. Neither does my wife. We got to cook when we were broke. People will say, Amiro ke shonk hai. Nahi, Amiro ke shonk nahi hai. This is clarity. Mm, that shows you are this really priority. committed, committed to the growth. You always put resources mm. in your priorities. Yeah. Okay. So I put resources. I got to cook very early. Even when we were broke, we got to cook. Because we realized that both our time, if we spend it more on our business, we'll be able to make that money. Okay. Uh, so we don't have to put ourselves through this torture as, oh, we've lost a business. We shut a company down. We don't have money. So now let's punish ourselves by doing something we are not good at. No. I won't punish myself. So, gotta cook very early. Slowly realized, we and the cook lack clarity. So, let's get a nutritionist. And we got a nutritionist not at a time of our life where we were sorted financially. But we said, okay, eating the right food is important. It will determine my energy levels, my immunity levels. Okay, I'd rather be proactive than reactive in my life. I got a fitness trainer on board when I was not financially that sorted. So, for me, it's about identifying the roles because I'll tell you the biggest excuse people give you is I don't have the time. So build teams. If you don't have time and it's important, build teams in that area, right? So I got this team in place and they started taking care of my health. So I am a follower there. I'm not a creator or a manager. My cook is the manager. My nutritionist is the manager. My, my trainer is the manager. I'm a follower. I don't know this. You tell me, I do. That's it. So build teams. You need to have roles. Same with finances. I got a financial mentor. I got a, I found a person who had actually made money. I didn't go to a broker because he told me one thing. Brokers are broke. So you don't go to a broker. Go to someone who's made money. And show your sincerity and hunger that you want to learn. You will do what they ask you to do. Okay, You will surrender. I found a financial mentor. He educated me on money. He educated me on different asset classes. He taught me equity, mutual fund, real estate, why you should do, what you should do, when you should do. I surrendered and I followed the discipline over there. So roles are important. And business, I'm being a big propagator of building teams. Right? For me, roles is important. Building teams is important. That's the start point. And when you put the right roles in place, now that's when you'll realize, Bijay, that Living an ant life is effortless. Yeah. I think half of your job is done. You it, just have to follow. Yeah. You just have to follow. You got to show up and do what they're asking you to do. That's it. Okay. You don't have to be the creator and the manager and the doer. You can't. Just be the doer. No? Let someone create, someone manage. You do. That's it. So, for me, that has worked. Okay. For me, that worked in health, worked in finances, in relationships. Also, there are roles. I created roles at home. I said, look, when it comes to decision making in this house, let's understand whose strength is what. My dad comes from the old school. He knows distributors of every product that we use at home. So he said, procurement, you manage. Okay. You manage. You manage the procurement. Experiences my wife will manage. Because she's good at creating those experiences. If you're going on a holiday and punishing ourselves on that holiday by living in a low standard, substandard place, no point going to that holiday. So shopping, she'll manage. 
she has a taste she has a she she won't compromise on fabric she won't compromise on this so everybody she is the boss over there creator rules at home mom's the one connected to god none of us enter the puja room she is the one connected like okay she'll say tell i am vegetarian my father eats non vegetarian she'll tell dad friday ko nahi khana hai nahi khana hai that's it <laughs> the head of spiritual connection has told you that so when you create this kind of roles at home no there is clarity in the situation whom I'm, who's taking the lead relations become a lot more effortless but if i have to tell my mum to go shopping with my sisters and my wife everybody will come back home unhappy cuz she'll see price tag for a 2000 rupees ka top is too much like no you identify strengths play the roles in relationships as per their strengths right emotions my sister will manage she is the most emotionally balanced and sound person she can call out the shit of my parents she can call out my shit she can call out my wife shit she can call out her own shit so we've identified roles which helps us give lead to each other in different situations okay now people sometimes say rajiv yaar sala tum idhar family mein bhi structure lae <laughs> i'm like isn't that an important area ask so many people when i'll be sharing when people will be watching this they'll be like shit this is so freaking relevant most people are not thinking of this we worked on our and life so i can do this podcast with authority and tell you what works right so roles is important in every aspect your business your relationships your health your your finances your recreation roles are important identify what's their dream team okay i learned this from dr john d martin and he's one of the wisest souls i believe walked on this planet he said something effortless success is when you do what you love doing and you find people who do what you don't love doing with to do it with love i don't love shopping my wife loves it please take the lead i don't love sitting in the puja room my mom loves it please take play pray on all our behalf so effortless success a true team is what where everybody is playing a role which is in alignment with their strength and their passion and in every home there is a strength and passion we are not discussing it in most homes decisions are made out of hierarchy which is where the disasters happen which is where the lying happens to our most dearest and nearest ones right so roles that's the first mechanism to live an and i think half of your job is done then is then is reports okay you got to have your own structure of of reviewing stuff so with my fitness guy i'll have a reporting template he'll do my uh, body mass analysis once a month he has an app he'll tell me okay this is it boss with my nutritionist i have my recall sheet of every day reporting to her this is the food i ate this is the junk i put in at this hour this is where it went out of control you got to have a system with your finances same thing you got to review you have your reporting of your investments your savings to see where you stand and it's not rocket science it could be basic excel sheets or today you have apps for everything and if you're working with a professional they have a reporting mechanism for everything so that's reports that's your checkpoint of where you enter data then is review and review when you sit you sit only to celebrate or create not to complain or blame which is where i think most people lose the battle again most people when they review something and they obviously are not doing it perfectly then either they complain or they blame they say oh this didn't happen because of this my work is too hectic that's why i can't do it okay work is hectic great can i look at that report and just define what did i do well what can i celebrate if work has been hectic my food has been erratic i can go down to the level of celebrating out of 30 days this month 
18 days I was compliant, 12 days I did violations. I'll celebrate 18 days. Now people may say, but Rajiv, aren't you being a, a sucker for positivity over here by just celebrating those 18 days? No, I'm, I'm being a sucker for momentum. I'm a sucker for momentum. I want to build momentum and I believe nothing in this world is worth me assassinating my own self-esteem by complaining about myself to myself. So I'll celebrate. Okay. And I'll create. Okay. I celebrated what's worked. Now I'll create for what is not working and I'll commit to myself. I'll do it. So you celebrate, create, commit. You do these three things in your reviews, you're sorted. That's my mechanic. Wow. Thank you so much, Rajiv, for kind of decoding everything that goes behind everything that you have built, whether that's in your relationship, whether I tell you that every time I see you or meet you, you look younger <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, your business and all the areas of life. I think uh, this is the most comprehensive way somebody can sort of look at life and also give the frameworks and systems and processes, uh, which you are absolute genius when it comes to putting systems and processes. That's something. I just enjoy it because uh, for me, I think... Uh, very early, I came to a realization that my life is more important than my business. My business is just a part of my life. And I have this strange belief system which works for me where I say, if things in my life are working, my business will automatically work. Most people have it the reverse. Because if my business is okay, then I'll focus on health. Then I'll focus on relationship. Then I'll think about recreation. I'm like, my business is a part of my life. I get my life sorted. I'm getting my business sorted. So I like working top down rather than bottom up. This has been one hell of a conversation, Rajiv. Uh, you know, like every time, there's so much to learn. There's so much to you. Uh, learn from you. And this, I, this it's a topic fun. close to my heart. I don't talk about it because for me, it's more a, a practice than something that I teach. Uh, so I'm thankful to you for bringing this as a conversational topic and helping me just put it out for people even if one idea clicks with people yeah. I'm more than grateful yeah. yeah I think pick whatever works for you from everything that we've shared maybe you know something that we discussed about relationship or about finance or about health whatever pick gets your attention just to use that yeah. but one uh, step at a time I mean yeah. there's no 360 degree changes overnight it's all putting one step at a time and when you gain the knowledge you use it when it's relevant so use it when it's relevant yeah this has been great, uh, so Rajiv. Much, so, is there any parting words that you'd like to pass on? Nothing. I think I just said it one step at a time. I think the most important thing is don't intimidate yourself with what I've shared. Okay. Neither go into guilt. I think guilt is an utter waste of time. Get excited about the growth potential. Okay. Even if everything's broken, get excited about the possibilities of growth and do it one step at a time. I think the most important think thing is we need to be kind to ourselves. Some of us just keep whipping ourselves. Not worth it. Just be kind and do it one step at a time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Vijay. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed listening to this, I want you to do two things for me. Number one, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, subscribe to the podcast and give five-star ratings. This will help me attract more listeners to this podcast and take this information to a wider audience so that we can help more people grow in their life. And second, share this episode with at least three people in your network who you think need to hear this episode. You never know, just by sharing this episode, you can help them transform their life. Be that person who helps others grow in their life. Thanks again for listening to this episode. I'll catch you in the next. Now, 
go out there and do something inspiring. <laughs>